Oh, fuck. Did we join a yoga cult? We thought it was an organization that was changing the world through yoga because the yoga felt so amazing. And that's what the quote methodology was supposed to help us do. But the deeper we got in, the more indoctrinated we became. We've learned a lot since then about manipulation, coercion, abusive power, and undue influence. Be a yes. Don't even get me started. And we're going to share it with you here. Super casual style, not fancy. It's just us and our opinions and true stories. We are allowed to speak our truth and we hope this helps people. Opinions expressed on Journey into Yoga Cults are just that, views and opinions, and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the podcast or the hosts. Stories told by hosts and guests are their own personal experiences, viewpoints, and perspectives. Any content provided by our hosts, guests, sponsors, or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, institution, corporation, business, individual, or anyone. Welcome, Rachel Bernstein. It's so great to have you. Oh, it is so nice to be here. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. And coincidentally, at the time that we're recording right now is when you uh, released on Indoctrination, the second episode of your interview with us. And I oh, I listened to it first thing while I was getting ready this morning. And um, just remembering like that speaking to you kind of gave us the courage to start our own podcast and to really speak out so just know that that was a good timing oh yeah good I'm really glad it worked out yeah your episodes have um gotten a lot of plays and a lot of responses um people writing to me saying is there any yoga community that's safe and what do I do and you know and I I was cautioning people not to worry you know, but that the reason that that this show, that your show is and the episodes you did on mine are so important is to be able to highlight how you can know if you're wanting to pursue something that you really want to pursue or that you feel like you're good at it or it's going to be positive in your life, how to see if it starts to go sort of to the dark side, <laughs> what to detect from the way you're being treated or the way you're being talked to or pressured, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Uh, yeah. But don't, don't avoid it all. Just know what to watch yeah. out for. So good. I'm so glad you started with that because we get that question a lot too. Like, what do I do now? You know, um, but we'll get into a lot of that. And I just want to mention that you're, um, you know, we're, uh, Let's see, we're talking about your podcast, Indoctrination. You've mm -hmm. had over or 200 or so episodes in the past four, almost four years that mm -hmm. you've been doing your podcast conversations once a week, and you've had over 900,000 plays. I listened to so many of them, um, and it really helped me by listening to you speak to people from other groups or even one-on-one -on -one relationships it helped me so much to understand what we've been through and the indoctrination processes. And once it became clear that it's a thing that happens, we weren't alone. 
that uh, it was so much easier to untangle kind of my mind from what had happened and to kind of start to see it clearly for what it is. So I just want to thank you for that. It's been so helpful. Mm, Yeah, same. Me too. Good. I'm glad. I'm really glad to hear that. That's good to know. Yeah, it's hard. Detangling is (laughs) probably the hardest part. And it takes some time and probably some distance from the situation and the experience in order to do that. Yes, which COVID kindly provided us. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) seriously. Yeah, a little perspective. Uh Um, Would you tell us kind of some of the biggest things that you've um, experienced or over the past few years of doing this podcast, what has what has happened for you and what's become kind of clear to you? It's a great question. First of all, it, you know, just on a personal note, because this podcast started with me um, thinking over and over again, when people would come to meet with me in my office, or they'd be in the support group I'm running, Mm -hmm. I would think this story is so powerful. um, And I, I almost felt guilty that I was the only one who was hearing it, that it felt like it was an important story for for others, like cautionary tales. And also to have people dispel this myth that there's something very different about people who get involved in these things called cults. And so I, I was really hoping to kind of normalize the vision of it for people and also to have people share their stories as part of their healing if they wanted and to give them a, a platform or form for that. Um, but also to highlight, and that's why I don't call it just a cult podcast, even though it mostly is about that, because I wanted people to talk about being in a system of control, whether that's in multi-level marketing or teen treatment program, or um, that, that's not a good one, uh, or a relationship. Um, sometimes with, with bosses, you know, with companies that you work for, it takes over your life and you can't spend holidays with your family anymore. And that's less important, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I, I was hoping to have it be broader and I, I was scribbling down some notes for it about four and a half, maybe five years ago on a napkin in a restaurant, actually in the house of pies in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so sitting there having a cup of coffee, my dad had owned some of the, had, had run some of the franchises, you know, some of the house of pies. So it's the last mm-hmm. remaining one. When I want to get centered, I go there um, <laughs> and, and not just think, but also have chocolate cream pie because it's the best. Um, but I, there's also this idea of you can have a thought, you can have an idea and then you can create something out of it. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many, cult leaders who have that idea, like, I just want to, you know, do something that where I can, you know, take control. But instead, I want more people to feel like I can do something, kind of create something out of nothing to give people back their control. Mm. So it was so like the antidote for right, what all of yeah. those right, people right, are doing. Right. Yeah. So that felt it felt good. I mean, in its own way, it felt like my own personal touche. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, take that. Uh, <laughs> I'm handing I'm handing the torch back to everyone else, you know. Yes. Um, if I can. 
um, but yeah, that it's that it's gone all over the world, and also seeing that some people relate to these stories for um, not only personal reasons but now political reasons. Yeah, um, and that it's it has spoken to people in areas that have dealt with groupthink and what that does to a whole population. Mm-hmm. And that's it's so interesting since you know listening to your pod, starting listening to your podcast like over a year ago, and then doing some work with you and then interviewing with you and all the other processes we've gone through, I've really been able to notice it. um, Everything you talk about and the systems of control and um, that kind of cult thinking in so many other aspects around my life. Mm -hmm. And so it's been so helpful to be like, know the red flags, know what to look out for. Um, and to then be able to, to do what you're saying, like take back control in myself mm. and set boundaries. And it, like where that big part of my life, when I was involved with Baptiste yoga, it was like, I had none. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want you to know, like on a personal level, like mm. what you just said, why you're doing it is it's worked for me and it's helped me. And all areas of my life. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. And, you know, I, I know also on this personal level that at the time I was doing some of this work before the podcast, I was in a relationship that was kind of controlling and knowing that I was an accommodator and a people pleaser, et cetera, et cetera. And I, there are a couple of times that I would be offering kind of pieces of advice to whatever degree a therapist should offer advice, but sort of ideas. And, and suddenly I started having this thought over and over again, hmm, I should probably be listening to that too. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take my own advice. Right? Like that's, that's, that would be helpful for when I go home. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so sometimes, you know, in this process of helping others, we help ourselves. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's Absolutely. a nice it's a nice balance. Absolutely. Yeah. We're definitely experiencing some of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the impacts that you've had with having such a, a big and diverse, uh, diverse people who've spoken mm-hmm. on your mm-hmm. podcast is that it's taken the shame away, which I think is, mm. is such a huge thing that keeps people quiet is the shame that they were duped and that they were abused and taken advantage of. Mm. Um, and you've, you know, brought to light so that it's not foolish or stupid people who this happens to. And I, I believe that what you're doing is helping people to then come forward so that we can then educate people on what to look for mm-hmm. because it's really been underground I mean when I was a kid I grew up with my mom following a guru who is now a known an Indian guru who is a known pedophile you know now mm-hmm. and he was very very popular and so this has been going on for a long time right yeah. probably as long as humanity, but, uh-huh. but, good, you yeah. know, the more we educated, we become, and the more we take the stigma away, mm-hmm. the more kind of savvy, like we can be to not get caught up in these groups and relationships. 
Right. I mean, yeah, it's very important. I think, you know, when um, I do an intro for someone, I will say, like, tell me what you're doing and what you've written. What, like, you're a person, you, you function in the world, usually highly. And so, you know, I want people to, to see that, that, that it doesn't have to do with intellect. It has to do with how control affects the brain and how it's a slow burn. And because uh, if, if a cult leader or any kind of controller presented in the first five minutes, what they really had in mind for you and what this was gonna look like and feel like by the end of the year, you'd say, yeah, where is the door? And um, right, right? <laughs> that's not how it's, it's, it's presented in this really wonderful way. And also it often has the sort of intellectual side of things that you need to memorize and think about which is attractive to the smart brain. Um, and then there's a bit of this mm, taking advantage of the niceness, the kindness, the better parts of people, mm. the parts of them that are wanting to do a good job at something and are wanting to take something seriously and are wanting to keep to their word and their commitments and all of it. So to do good in the world, to do good in the world. That's mm. right. Yeah. So, right. It doesn't say anything bad at all says as something actually very positive about the people who get involved um, and that, you know, with those wonderful qualities, still, you just want to make sure they're not tapped into to be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see now as a therapist, um, do you see that there are stages of kind of emerging and healing from a high control uh, group? like similar to how there are stages of grief? Mm -hmm. That's a great question and makes me think I should probably come up with some acronym for that, like with the stages <laughs> of grief. I mean, that's, so if I, if I do, I will attribute it to this moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think at first there is this um, great confusion, like, because you could know that something happened to you, but you don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. how do you even describe that? What is that? <laughs> what, 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 what machine was I just put through? Um, and I came out the other end and I don't know along the way how I was transformed, but something happened. And so the, just being able to say and connect with people who, who you think might be able to help you to say, I was in this group and these are the things that happened and to have, have someone help you and give you the language to mm. know, oh, that was this manipulative technique and mm -hmm. that's what this is called. So then you can describe it and then you can know it. Because so, so often what happens too within these groups is that things that are abusive are never called abusive and they're for your benefit and it's no pain, no gain right. and it's all these other, so you didn't even know you've been abused because right. it was called something else. It was called yeah. inquiry. In, exactly exactly right so to have the sort of to have things redefined oh wait this is why i'm having nightmares because yeah i was actually abused yeah um so that's helpful to have the language to 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 understand what happened to you and to validate why you're having these um after effects mm. and then to get into the not blaming yourself which often comes next why didn't i see it why did i stay so long 
that yeah. happens with people in abusive relationships too. Mm-hmm. And, and to make matters worse, often people are asked that question. Well, why did you stay so long? And we, you know, right? because they don't get how it, it, you're in it and you're making, you're kind of justifying it in your mind and the people around you are justifying it for you. And so you're stuck in it without being able to see or even feel like you have an option to leave because somehow you're going to be a bad person or you're disappointing the world or whatever. Or or the person in control is love bombing and dangling carrots and, Mm. you know, talking, well, the future will be like this and it won't be like this all the time. And, you know, because that happened a lot within Baptiste for us is like the carrots dangling and the excuses and then the love bombing and then being fed maybe pieces of carrots to be like, see, here you go. Mm. Or, you know, treating them, treating us special on the side Mm. or, you know, acknowledging us in front of a hundred and so people. Mm -hmm. So like that, that I think that's what also it's like, well, why didn't you leave? Even though you knew all this other stuff was going on, it's like, well, that kind of stuff was happening in the background where it helps you, it makes you almost forget about the bad stuff. It's so true. It's the breadcrumbs, so right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, that's the thing that's unfortunately part of the evil genius part of cult leaders that they have all these spinning plates. They know who to work on. They can see who is kind of a straggler who's like mm, seeming a little resistant to what they're doing and how to bring them back in. And it's like this uh, orchestra leader, you know, like they're conducting the whole space emotionally. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Um, and you just don't know it because they're like, they seem so, you know, fine and, you know, nice and spiritual. Spiritual, <laughs> so enlightened. So, so enlightened. So wise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But their mind is going a mile a minute working the whole room. And, and you just don't, you just don't know it. And, um, and you don't even know those people exist until you meet them. Right. 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 I mean, that's the shocking part. Like who I roam the planet with people like you, like I've never been in the same room with someone who was like sociopathic or who just wanted to take over and that that was their whole goal. I mean, what? Who is that person? Right. And you can't so, imagine it. Cause you're not like that. Ex- exactly. Which is a good thing. Right. If I, if someone says, well, I just couldn't predict what my cult leader was going to do next, or I couldn't imagine they were going to do what they did. I, I will often say that's actually a really good sign. <laughs> you, you, your brain, you're so wired differently because you infuse your conscience along the way and it stops you from having those thoughts and those wishes and those needs. But then the, I guess the next part of the healing is to then address the feelings that emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you Go when someone hopefully can help you get past looking inward and having shame and wondering what's wrong with you that you let quote unquote let yourself you know go through this. Then there's the feeling of loss that comes up, like loss of what it could have been or what it should have been, and the loss of time and the loss of those friendships because you get dropped, the the loss of money I mean the loss of loss of everything and then anger resentment and what to do with it because you can't necessarily direct it 
as a cult leader. Um, some people do, but you know, how do you just sit with it and how do you address it? And it's really good to have what you have had with each other, which is a community, a connection, being able to share these stories with each other. I feel very bad for people who go through this in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is good for people listening to this to know that there's no reason for that. There, cults have been around for a long, long time. And so a lot of people who have been through them and been hurt by them also are all around. And so there's always a way to connect. Mm-hmm. So you have a community that you can share all your feelings with. And what would you say, I mean, I, I you know, as anything, healing is a process that goes on, but what would you say is your kind of indication that you were kind of on the other side? Mm. I think if you find yourself every once in a while realizing that you weren't thinking about it, uh, that suddenly mm. you had a, a day or even just an hour where you were able to focus on something else in your life, mm-hmm. where also you were able to focus on yourself, but in a positive way. And you were able to take some time to rest and relax and not feel guilty and not feel mm-hmm. lazy. I mean, there, there are so many ways that people realize that they're mm-hmm. kind of moving past it. Um, I think also sometimes when people can start to have some humor about some parts of it, because you realize the ridiculousness of some of it, that's very helpful. And that says a lot about, you know, how you've made a departure from it. And, and you're not too afraid. You're not too afraid to laugh and even laugh at the leader, which is, which is helpful. Um, And I think that then you've, started doing something new, uh, whether it is in some way similar to what you were doing before, because you still enjoy being in the yoga world, but you want to do it in a healthier way, or that you've just decided to take some time for yourself just to rest and relax and replenish, and that that's been your active choice, um, <clears throat> because again, that's totally looked down upon within Mm -hmm. these groups so I think people don't realize what a bold move it is to do nothing Mm -hmm. after you leave you know we're definitely nodding our heads in agreement (laughs) with that one yeah we were meant to feel like we had to be doing something always of service something always to in service to the organization to barren to the world to the planet it was exhausting Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it is exhausting totally so what would you say um, to people knowing that, you know, yoga is our, was our cult? Um, it, a lot of people that we've been hearing from have been grappling with how do I, what do I do now? So either that's been my career or it's been, you know, a major kind of part of my life that I've just loved. And um, some people are completely turned off by it and just start doing something completely completely new, just leave it behind totally. What would you say to people who don't want to completely leave it behind? How do you kind of reconcile this thing that is so kind of somatic and so, um, 
powerful and um, still be able to do that without being re-triggered or be without uh, feeling like you're perpetuating um, this harmful organization? It's a great question. So a couple things come to mind. One, you don't want to have somebody who mistreated you impact all the other decisions you make in your life. Like, especially with wanting to do something that you want to do, that will just add to more resentment. So if someone like Baron has done things that, you know, have impacted people in a negative way, and then you say, okay, I'm done with this, but it really did just the practice of it or the community did give you the sense of like joy or comfort or relaxation or a good workout or whatever. Um, the more you retreat from something that you think you would enjoy because of this person, the more you're kind of holding on to the fact that they're still impacting your life. Mm-hmm. And they're keeping you still from being able to be fully happy and have what you want. So to, to do what you want to do and how to kind of exorcise this, uh, this person while you're exercising, um, <laughs> uh, I think you, what you do is you look very carefully at the things that he did or anyone who hasn't done this in, in a proper way, what, what they've done that's been different that you wanna make sure to either never replicate or you wanna teach about while you are teaching and say, this is how I do it. And this is why I do it this way, or this is what I don't do. And this is why I don't do it. And, and in that way, you're helping to, to show who you are and how you're different, but you're helping to educate the people there about what to watch out for. Again, that are gonna be these red flags, mm. Um, and then I think if you feel like suddenly you're saying something that he would have said or doing something the way he would have done it, it's, it's good to know that you can catch yourself and say, oh, that felt too familiar. And Mm. I'm still not clear about if that was healthy or not. And so you find your own way, just as he found his own ways of doing things. You find your own way, shift the language, have it be so different that you really are not running a risk of doing anything, you know, dangerous. Mm -hmm. The other really big thing is that if you do something that someone was not happy about, that you hear them and Mm -hmm. you say, thank you for letting me know. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize using that word might be triggering for you, whatever that is or that you felt pushed to do this too hard, you can always stop. You can always leave. You can always sit. You can always tell me. And you, you remind people what their methods of power, independence, self-protection are that you're going to honor in that space. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be so helpful for so many people out there because I think that's what a lot of people coming out of this community um, or any yoga community that has, has been, you know, 
similar to this in any way struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and especially people who have only studied in that, this one style. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Never, never taken or um, experienced or anything, any other styles, because they were also taught like, this is the only, uh, this is really the only style you need to do. And all other styles are somehow bad or wrong and implied and that it was so in play. It wasn't ever said outright, but it was implied a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, that's sort of the narcissistic playbook. This is the only way, right? The whole Mm -hmm. scarcity thing only here will you get this pure form of whatever and only here will you get the right way and there's no other place. And that's just breeding dependence and also getting more customers and retaining customers. There's always exactly that, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you bring up this really good point about um, how you make sure that the people who you're working with know that you are one of many who can provide them with this. And if this isn't the right fit for them, of course, you want to encourage them to come and talk to you and, you know, see if there's something you can provide for them that will feel better or different if possible. Mm. And if not, have they checked out this other place and this other place? Like, you don't have to be the only one. It's also a really good um, model that there are other other resources out there for people and that you're going to support that because you don't you don't have the ego need to be the only one. Um, mm. that's yeah. huge or I the think. best one or yeah the best one mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah I think what I'm starting to notice about Baptiste is this is there's so so many of the the kind of concepts that we were taught were in, were implied you know mm-hmm. like that the mm-hmm. fact that you that Baptiste yoga is the best yoga it was never said mm-hmm. but it was very very clearly implied Mm-hmm. you know, or the fact that we uh, assist people, you know, without asking for consent. It was never said, maybe, it, actually, maybe it was said, you don't need to ask people, but we didn't ask people mm-hmm. for consent to touch them. Uh, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the narcissistic leader. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, so I know narcissists come in a lot of different flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, our narcissistic leader was uh, is a person who appears has an appearance of a very wise person, and mm-hmm. uh, almost in, in the environments of our intensive trainings, almost like uh, wise, magically wise how did he know how did he take her down that path using what we called inquiry mm-hmm. um would you say a little bit about how that person can have the appearance like they changed my life but also how is it that that person is doing harm then mm-hmm. okay i don't know if i asked the question correctly, yeah. but I, know you, I know you know what i mean yeah yeah, I do. It's interesting because when just with the last question, like how how do people know what to watch out for and keep themselves safe? It sort of ties into this question. 
that you want to make sure that when you go into a space where you're doing something for yourself, that your focus remains on the self. And if suddenly your focus is how to please the person in charge, they are making sure of that. Mm -hmm. And so if you suddenly realize that you are going to do whatever you need to do to make that person happy with you, and it's hard to make them happy with you, and you're getting kind of intermittent gratification from them, and you're just waiting for them to be happy with you, that is a totally different focus than you signed up for, and that it should never be that you have to think about how to keep that person happy or at least how to make them not unhappy with you because they should not be your focus. Um, they can be your guide to you continuing for you to be your focus on yourself, kind of a conduit, but not the center of all of your attention. Um, so I think that, you know, when you have this person who is in charge, where they will sometimes be very soft-spoken, other times not, kind of uneven. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, it sets people on edge. Uh, it's just like having a parent who's like that or a mm -hmm. spouse who's like that, where you don't know what you're going to get mm -hmm. when you walk in the room and what mood and what's going to make them happy or unhappy, which makes you have to focus on them and keeping them happy for your own safety. Um, oh and so God. that's, that's, what yeah. Oh my God. Whoa, lots of blood. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So, and, and you don't think, you know, I, I need out of here. You think oh, you go into survival mode. What can I do to, to get back into that person's good grace or to have them look over at me and smile? Um, <clears throat> and again, they, sh they, they need to not be that focused. So, uh, if they are, that means that oftentimes they're working it. Yes, there's some people who have dependent personalities and they're more prone to be people pleasers to um, a self-sacrificial degree just in life in general. But um, if you suddenly have everyone in the room being that way, that's because the narcissist has orchestrated it that way. Um, mm. And so you might not be able to tell from the words that they use, but just notice, just notice the, the way that um, you're left feeling. And notice also if you suddenly are being elevated or pushed down, that's also a narcissistic thing where people are talking. Right, docking for kind of position and being competitive with each other. Um, and also if there's infighting, because they will have mm. people turn on each other and then just watch the show. Uh, oh my God, all of that yes. <laughs> happened consistently. Once you were, um, especially within higher roles or starting to assist programs, like, everything you just said, like up or down, like good graces or not people fighting against each other, competing, um, throwing people under the bus. I mean, I know Melissa and I have so many stories around all of that, that mm -hmm. happened constant, just all the time. 
the interesting thing is that he would never say it, um, you know, but it would happen, right? And so it's like magically happening without him needing to say you're competing for this. And some people have even said he never asked us to do that. We just did it. Mm -hmm. like really turning the blame back on us. Mm -hmm. It's so messed up, um, <laughs> but not realizing, you know, yeah. that how that he was puppeteering, you know, how, us knowing what we wanted and then kind of playing us because he knew that we wanted to, right. to lead, to, to do this, to get into his graces, to uh, mm -hmm. elevate in, in the organization. And he used that. Oh, most, most definitely. And sometimes it's very subtle. Like you'll notice him potentially mm, smiling at someone and not smiling at someone else. But why did that person get that smile? Or going Absolutely. over and kind of whispering to someone about something, having a private conversation. What was that about? And he might even kind of subtly look over at someone else while he's talking to that person on purpose to get that person nervous that they were being talked oh about. Oh my God, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's, it's so interesting how it just like happens over and over. Pardon my but yeah. I, I, I think also, if you can't take a break, if you can't set your own schedule, if you can't check in with your, with your own body, and say I need to actually take the night off and that it's somehow seen as a as a slight like for a narcissist that's narcissistic injury because you're showing that you're not somehow devoted to them enough yeah. to sacrifice yourself and so if you are supposed to listen to their words um, louder than hearing your own voice then typically also you're with a controller you're, you're with someone Absolutely. who's just right who who because uh, if somebody said to you if you were running a class and they said you know I have an injury or I'm tired or I just whatever I don't know didn't sleep well I can't come say okay you're like well, all right mm -hmm. um and it, there wouldn't be a statement that they're making about their commitment to this or to to you or, oh, whatever it's always so meaningful um, it's just too much. Too it's much. like, oh, you yeah. know, it, it's like, you know, the playbook. Yeah. Well, and I, the unfortunate thing that happens with that is then it gets, I remember doing that to people at my studio when I was really deep in and an affiliate owner and like high up in the organization. And, you know, people would be like, I, you know, I, I don't feel good or this thing's going on. And myself and my co-owner at the time would use the tactics that were used on us of be like, well, what do you need to give up around that? Why, why are you not so, what's like all this, all this jargon and stuff and turn it around back on them and to make them feel bad for not, you know, making the studio the biggest priority. And, you know, I realized how my brain and I was operating under all of this stuff that had been used on me, but it just trickles down. And I've heard so many stories from people since we've really started this and speaking out of the same, like one of my um, former employees, I've talked to so many and it's been very healing, but one was like, I remember my um, 
I just found out my cousin, she came to me and told me this after like, you know, recently, but she was at the studio and said, my, I found out my cousin had died. And I think I'd already left the studio by that time, but this, the owner and another senior teacher were there and she, this person, the teacher was very upset and the teachers just, or the owner and the other teacher just were like, well, what do you need to give up around that? And she's like, well, I just need someone to teach my class. I can't teach right now. A family member has just passed away and they just said, you know, leave it at the door, go teach. This is, this will be the best thing for you. And they just left. And it makes my stomach feel sick for her. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that they just gaslit her. And one of them probably could have taught. And she was like, I taught the class sobbing. Oh no. It sounds so awful. So awful. And so it's, it's just, I, it's like such everything you just described is just like, it doesn't just happen within just from Baron. It get it trickles down into studios and, and teachers treating other people this way. That is just so heartbreaking yeah. to me now. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. So just a few things about that. A lot of people do feel guilty when they've left saying I treated people I was taught to treat people the same way that the person in charge did. I thought that was the optimal way to be. And I also knew that was going to make the person in charge happy with me, knowing that I was doing it the quote unquote right way, Mm -hmm. i.e. his way. And then they feel guilty because they realize, and, and even sometimes in that moment, they're having a little thought inside that they have to ignore where they see someone in pain in front of them and they're pushing them to do something uh, and they're wondering if this is the right thing but they can't follow their own uh, their own voice their own instincts about it not really mm-hmm. allowed but yeah sometimes people really do think oh this is uh, you know I've been told this is what's best for this person and I'm gonna provide them with what's best and the, the people who are not the leaders the ones who perpetuate the same kinds of things because they're instructed to they're they're usually doing it for a much more pure reason because mm-hmm. they really do believe that it's that it's the right thing but it also promotes this other part going back to the after effect of a detachment from the self yeah because here this person really needed to cry and mourn and was sobbing but still had to put those feelings away and detach and after a while, that becomes all too easy to do. And so when oh, you come wow. out, out of a group, you have to say, like, I have to reconnect with myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I have to know that my tears are not a manipulation and my tiredness isn't a weakness. And like, you know, take away all of the diagnoses, the yes. negative diagnoses oh of just God. being a human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just having a huge light bulb with you saying yeah. that of like slipping into almost like a dissociative state, you know, mm-hmm. when something like that happens, it's like, got to snap into get it done mode and put that on the back burner because that's or, literally what we were groomed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just, I just need to let go of that story. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Just detach mm-hmm. yourself completely emotionally from it. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, 
kind of brings me to a question that mm -hmm. we had um, about this inquiry that I mentioned. And the inquiry was one of the three practices of Baptist yoga, asana, the, the poses, the physical. Number two, meditation. And number three is inquiry. Inquiry is basically repackaged landmark forum style um, uh, questioning. Um, asking someone questions to get to what is um, what is basically like your deepest kind of fear of being unlovable or what happened that's stopping you from being you know fully who you are those kind of sessions were very very common and a huge part of Baptiste yoga so we now know that a lot of that is traumatizing. It's basically therapy without a license. It's where none of us were trained to be able to get people um, in, in, out of the states that they might've gotten into by digging up painful memories or thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, we now know that, but the question um, somebody had is, is it ever safe? Is so-called this inquiry, is it ever okay? And is it ever safe? And let me just add one thing to this. Mm -hmm. So in yoga philosophy, there is um, mm. self-study, you know? So like, if you're really looking at without Baron, without all of this, like the philosophy is self-study. Um, and so I think it kind of goes back to that. Is there a way that self-study is okay and is safe um mm -hmm. you know because yeah and i guess know it as inquiry self-study mm -hmm. is different than somebody questioning you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah because one's a bit of an interrogation and the other one is therapy um so Right. Yes. There are a lot of people who are practicing without a license, getting into people's psyches and getting into their pasts. There are people who I've talked to who had been in situations like this where they were supposed to share their deepest, darkest, everything, also very landmark form. Um, and they would see sometimes the person who was doing it with them was almost disappointed that the story wasn't worse and so they would feel like they had to embellish it or get into something even deeper just right. to make that person happy with them because then you're really doing the work mm. um so being pushed to say things to please the other person that's the model of the cultic groups and being pushed to do anything to please another person um and where it can be safe is first of all, if you ask, if you ask if there are things on people's minds that they would like to talk about um, and not assume that everyone has something that they need to talk about or wanna talk about. So not everyone has to, or should have to go through that same process. And mm. um, there are some people who know how to hold themselves together when they're um, talking about emotional things. Others have a harder time regulating. I know with some of my clients who need to see me every other week because every week is too much. Even with them, we'll get into things that are really heavy at the beginning of the session so that the, the rest of it is like a cooling off period of just mm -hmm. like a, 
a palate cleanser, talking about mm -hmm. things that are not as heavy. So they don't leave the office feeling so raw. So, you know, like they're tapped into something really awful. So each person should be treated individually differently, depending on their experiences and depending on their nature. And so it sounds like everyone is sort of treated in the same way. The same techniques are given for everyone, which is always going to be problematic with human beings who are all different from each other. Um, but it's, it's safe, first of all, if it's optional and that if it's with somebody who is trained to know when the, the content has gone beyond their scope of expertise. Mm. And then they can say, oh, you're actually talking about something that you probably should get some support with. I'm not qualified to help you with this. Here's a resource list. Mm. Like here, you can call here. Here's a great counseling center that deals with this. And here's a therapist who, you know, I can help you with. Because if you're going to, it's like calling a hotline. Right. If you suddenly start to talk about something, the person is supposed to say, okay, they have a, you usually a huge resource list in front of them and a referral. Right. Um, okay. Try this number, try this, whatever it is, you know, where do you live? Okay. Here's a place where you can call. But instead there is this idea that somehow all the answers are here. Mm. And so you're not going to be directed to the person who can really help you with that. You're just going to be kept there to address it in that style, which, um, which is not necessarily going to be at all helpful, uh, or even at all safe. And then I think going back to the fact that you're going to feel like you have to share too much just to keep the person happy with you, um, is just inherently dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Sure. I know we're almost out of time. There is one more question that we had for you, and that is, I think, a good one to land on or end on, is what do you see that happens to people if they don't work on healing actively? In other words, they leave, cut ties, just want to put it in the rear view mirror and move on with their lives and forget about it. Mm. That's a hard one. I mean, for some people who have had experiences that were not so uh, destructive, meaning they were there a short time and, and they had kind of just a peripheral role and they were there every once in a while, they don't necessarily need to have counseling. So not everyone needs it. It sort of depends on your experience. But if you notice that you are feeling suddenly now bad about yourself because you've been left with these messages about yourself that are false and like false accusations and false diagnoses. And it's affecting your world, like the decisions that you make, the things that you feel you deserve to have or not have in the world, et cetera. If you don't get help for that, then you start to lead a diminished life. You just don't think you're worthy um, and because someone needed to cut you down in order to elevate themselves up, sort of push you down to stand on your back, right? And so if you're suddenly feeling like your life has become derailed and you're not feeling like, mm, again, you deserve to have good things in your life, it, it is, it's a sad thing. People will sometimes go for the rest of their lives doing that and also feeling isolated, like there's something different about them or they can't relate to other people's experiences and other people won't relate to them. So they feel that they're sort of perennially 
you know, odd. And that's also not at all necessary because again, there are millions of people who have been through this. So it's, it's difficult. It's like um, someone has um, opened a wound that you just never um, get healed. You never get treated. Um, and there's no need for that, really no need for that. And, and it, there is a way to feel better. Sometimes people are a little worried about the process because it means having to talk about what happened, et cetera, and they just don't want to go through it. But it's an important process to get to the other side, um, to, to reduce the amount of control that experience still has over your life. Thank you so much for that. I think this is going to really resonate. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the things that you talked about are amazingly relate, like directly relatable. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to you, to, to all of you, to giving an opportunity for people to learn from your experiences knowing that you've had to go through your own fire to get to to this, to be able to sort of be calm enough to talk about it and think about it clearly. And, you know, I guess I want people to understand that that's a whole process and that takes a lot of strength. Um, so thank you for this forum for yourselves and for other people. Absolutely. I have to say there's other stuff we wanted to get into. We just didn't have time, but I would love it. We would love it. I'm sure if we, if you would come back another time. I would be happy to, we can definitely set that up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Take care. And I'll just say you're going to be appearing uh, uh, at the conference, the International Cultic Studies Awareness Conference. That's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, We can share that. Anything else you want to share about how to connect with you or your podcast Uh, yeah you can check me out um yeah at the international cultic studies association they have an annual conference it's now online until further notice so people can hear the lectures and other workshops um and that if people want to check out the podcast it's called as you mentioned indoctrination or if you want to write to me if you're interested in sharing your story or you know someone who does, uh, you can write to me at indoctrinationshow at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you. So thanks. Yeah, sure. Let's set it up. I'll come on again. Perfect. Thanks, Rachel. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.